Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to talk a little about winter wheat and some of the seed treatment options that there are, but we'll also talk about just winter wheat in general and how to raise a very successful crop and improve your winter survivability as well. This is another thing where we see too many farmers say, well, I'm going to put it in and we'll just see how it does through the winter and then go from there. If you want to up your chances of having great survival and a great stand in the spring. There are a few extra things that you can do. We'll talk about those. We'll also take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. When you talk about winter survivability, yes, a seed treatment absolutely can help because a key is getting the crop off to a good start. Seeding at the proper time, that's really important, obviously, but I look at drainage and fertility as two really big things. And yes, I realize that most wheat is not grown in poorly drained areas or poorly drained regions, but there still are some issues here and there, some spot treatments. Spot tiling is needed. That's what we've ended up doing in a lot of cases on our farm, just spot tiling rather than pattern tiling. The other big thing I often see is when drainage is poor that we have high sodium levels. So getting the sodium, the salt taken care of, things like that will really help you. It's not always about, oh, I have to get more P and K on there or more nitrogen. It may just be about removing excesses from your soil and that will help you a lot too. So anyway, yeah, we'll talk about seed treatments as we go throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, lots of fertility questions, uh, which is normal this time of year, but some of them I'm not exactly sure. This one comes from Gabriel down in Texas, and he said, guys, I'm curious, have you ever done any research on the rates of nutrient leaching for different nutrients? Do you have soil tests that show leaching over a period of time in fallow soil, for example, and how much it actually leached? Also, how does pH impact any leaching out in the soil? And are there different forms of nutrients that bind better to the soil colloids? Okay, so that's three separate questions. Let's talk first about the the leaching question. We have not done that work on leaching, but there has been lots of work done on it over the years. And our answer is just simply because I'm sure your question is, well, how much is my stuff going to leach? It depends. And it's more rain means more leaching. The lighter the soil means more leaching. That's just the way it goes. With nitrate, we often say that's the most leachable nutrient. We'll usually tell you that sulfate, from what we have have read, can leach at about half the pace of nitrate. And then boron is also leachable, but it doesn't leach as fast as even the sulfate. So you got nitrate, sulfate, boron. Those are the three main leachable nutrients that we're often talking about. Can other nutrients move? Absolutely. It's just the other nutrients don't move nearly as quickly as that. Uh, question two, Darren, was what? How does pH impact? Doesn't, as far as I know. But... The form of nutrient, that was the last question. I remembered that. Form of nutrients that bind better to soil colloids. Yeah, so just as an example, nitrogen. If it's in the ammonium form, ammonium is positively charged. That will bind with negatively charged soil. Nitrate is negatively charged. That will not bind with your negatively charged soil, or at least with your negatively charged clay. So there absolutely is a difference in what form 
any nutrient is in. Even when you start talking about sulfur, well, if you're elemental sulfur, that takes a little while to break down to get into the sulfate form, the form the plant's going to end up using, and the form that's more leachable. So, sure, you can have it in different forms. You can also do things like using nitrogen stabilizers to keep it in a form longer. You can use controlled release fertilizers. I mean, there, there certainly are options to reduce the amount of leaching you have. Thanks for the question, Gabriel. Thanks for, for checking our show. We really appreciate that. If you get follow-ups, just let us know. This one comes in from Paul. He said uh, it's titled Ground Truthing Fertilizer Removal Rates. He said, all right, guys, with your extensive GPS soil sampling, you know the initial soil sample. You know how much fertilizer you applied. You know your yields. And you know what your post-harvest soil tests are. I'm just curious, have you done the math to compare those post-harvest soil tests back to your fertilizer removal rates that are on your Ag PhD app. I'm just curious if some nutrients are a little more predictable than others and wondering are immobile nutrients more predictable than mobile nutrients like nitrogen, sulfur, and boron? We have done a little bit of work on this, but there are a lot of people that have done way more work than we have. And so we believe that the nutrient removal charts are pretty accurate. But here's the challenge all the time. When you say, all right, well, how much is is getting removed by the crop? Well, we don't know exactly how much is leaching through the soil. So we don't know what's lost. We don't know what exactly is mineralized. So there's always going to be some amount in there that we just go, well, we think it's this. We're not quite sure on that. And yeah, so anyway, I would say trust the nutrient removal charts from everything we've seen. They appear to be fairly accurate. All right, get this one in from down in Nebraska, and it's from Darren who says, hey guys, uh, I'm in southwest Nebraska. I've been seeing some corn that doesn't seem to be progressing. It's been at half milk line for two weeks now. I'm just wondering what's going on. I probed for moisture. It seems to be in great shape. Plant health doesn't seem to be an issue. My wonder, I got a couple ideas here, is is it mainly that we're getting cool mornings and it's taking a long time to get warm? Yes. So that's leading to slow progress. Or could it be anything to do with all the smoke that we've had blowing over creating a lot of cloudy days and no sunlight. For the most part, corn is going to grow and mature based on heat. So the less heat you have, and we absolutely have some, have had some cold nights here recently, that means things are going to slow down a little bit. We've had less heat, and growing degree days are figured off the high and the low of the day. Now, I always say this too. I don't feel like growing degree days are super accurate because what if I got to 86 degrees for 30 seconds one day, and most of the day I was at 65. I look at that a lot different than I, if I was at 86 degrees exactly for 12 hours straight, and then I dropped to 65 overnight for just a few minutes. So anyway, yeah, I, I don't think I'd be super concerned. I don't know of any reason other than heat that it wouldn't be maturing. I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference with that smoke. Yeah, it sure seems like your point about it's not really warming up until late in the afternoon that's probably the real key thanks for the question stay tuned we'll be right back are you ready we got the need the need for seed treatment start your engines ready set in tango 
Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. back you're listening to ag phd radio broadcasting from the morton studio and today we're talking about winter wheat seed treatments there's been a lot of development in winter wheat there's a lot of research going on there are quite a few new products coming down the pipe from some of the major ag chem manufacturers are really excited about that got tracy hillenbrand on right now with bsf a company that's doing primary research and bringing new things around tracy thanks for joining us thanks for having me you know, it's pretty exciting when you have new things like Taraxa, for example, that is a game changer when it comes to wireworm control. And I know BSF, of course, is always working on new fungicide options and different things. What are you most excited about heading into this season and treating winter wheat? Well, looking at winter wheat, I think we uh, it's going to be an interesting year. It's a little bit dry um, in some parts. In other areas, we're getting some rain, so it's going to be really variable which can really make a difference when we're talking about early season protection of insect pests and diseases that might be hitting. So we, uh, with all the variability, a great thing to think about is an overall seed treatment protection like Trax F4. You know, you mentioned a combination product, and I love this approach of, you know what, let's let's put everything towards this and do the best job we can rather than, well, here's one insecticide, maybe I'll focus on that, or here's one disease I'm concerned about. I love having a package that, that does the whole thing. Talk to us about that product. What's in it, and, and what are growers seeing? Yeah, so Taraxa 4 is our combus, uh, combination product of uh, fungicide and insecticide. So it starts off with stamina F4. So really your broad spectrum um, diseases that you might see across your winter wheat area, whether that's Rhizoctonia or Fusarium, um, as well as your seed smuts, bunts, 
just wide protection because you never know what Mother Nature is going to throw at us. You might think it's going to be a dry year, and it turns out to be a super wet planting season. So that's great to offer a full full control package there. And then also, like you said, new innovation coming with Taraxa um, included in that as your insecticide. So up until two years ago, we were using uh, Neonix for our insect pest protection, especially with wireworms. And one of the downfalls with a Neonic is it doesn't offer control of your insect pest. So you're able to get multiple feeding generations happening to your seeds throughout the year. Where Taraxa, it's a metadiamide, a new classification of insecticide, which is always exciting to have uh, a new classification in any type of ag. And it offers control or really that elimination of wireworms when they come in contact with the Taraxa. So really re reducing and removing that population rather than just allowing them um, to continue to reproduce. Seeing BSF utilize that same active ingredient in corn now for corn rootworm, when you're putting on the rate of Taraxa that you're putting in Taraxa F4, what other insects are you expecting to control or suppress with that product? So with Taraxa or Taraxa F4, your real focus is going to be your cereals crops, so your winter wheat, spring wheat, barley, um, and for and for your cereals crops, that's going to be your wireworms. Now that label is expanded when you're talking about our new Nerisma product. So yep, same active ingredient ingredient of broflanolid, but it has an extended range for corn that really looks at corn rootworm, um, wireworms, and maggots. Yeah, there's a lot of different challenges out there. I think about the different crop rotations. I think about cover crops coming in uh, to the to the program for a lot of farmers. It, it just provides a home for more of these insects, and we're seeing populations of bugs like wireworms really on the rise finding something that actually kills them and knocks them out. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, Tracy. Yeah, it's a great thing to think about from a rotation aspect, too. So you get that initial benefit, say you treat your spring wheat, winter wheat, or uh, with Traxf or, or your Nerisma for corn. Well, you reduce those populations because an adult click beetle, um, which is the adult form of a wireworm, is able to lay roughly... 100 eggs per per adult per season so controlling them to reduce your populations for other crops as well like you talked about we're seeing those increases so um, depending on your area your sugar beets dry beans soybeans they're a wireworms are a nasty pest that can really uh, reduce your yields across lots of different crops yeah that's for sure we're talking with tracy hillenbrand here with bsf tracy thank you so much really appreciate having you on the show today Thanks for the time. I appreciate having the opportunity to talk about Taraxa 4 and Arisma today. You bet. Now we're talking wheat, winter wheat seed treatments here on today's program because seeding is just right around the corner for a lot of growers. One of those growers might just be our friend Lee Lubers. He works with the Extreme Ag Group and farms out in South Central South Dakota. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. All right, markets are changing all the time, and I, I just love it with farmers like yourself that get to plant a number of different crops. You're always choosing, hmm, do I go more acres of this one this year or less acres? What's winter wheat look like in your country? Does it look like it's going to be a profitable one uh, to, to put more acres in this fall? 
Uh, we're going to keep our acres in the rotation just like normal. Uh, we seem to make wheat work, so we're not backing off, but we're not really increasing either. Uh, we like it in rotation because we just help spread out our odds. One of the things that you were talking about on a previous show is just how winter wheat really responds to intensive management. And a lot of the things that you and your brother and, and your team out there are doing uh, can can make a huge difference and have a nice return in winter wheat. What are some of the things you think about as you're putting seed in the ground that would be great for, for setting yourself up for profitability? Uh, the best seed treatment that we can find. <laughs> That's every bit as important as our uh, inferral fertility program for starter. Uh, there's newer chemistries out that are multi-modes. We're getting so much broader spectrum of coverage for seedling diseases. And uh, then uh, an absolute must is the best insecticides that we can find in the package uh, because with all the no-till and the higher residues, uh, with the better crops, we're also seeing the increase in wireworm pressure over the years so we need to keep those staved off. Yeah, you mentioned getting really good coverage with that seed treatment. And I know a lot of farmers will say, well, I'm doing the, the wheat seed treating myself. Uh, what do you see with that? Do you, have you had issues with clumping and those types of things? Or in general, is, is treating wheat as easy as soybeans or even easier? We've been treating our winter wheat seed for almost oh, 25 plus years. And the products have only gotten better to work with over time. When when you look at different products that you're putting on, what do you think about talc? Is that I see a lot of treatments coming into the market now with with a talc base or a dry base to to add on, especially in the naturals realm. Uh, is, is that something you look at too with with beneficial microbes and those types of things? We've been uh, mixing things in, biologicals, into our slurry in one of our mixing cones, but I'm really intrigued by adding on some of the talc-based products on after we treat with liquid, if we could actually do it from the truck into the air seeder and just add another spectrum of trying to boost yield. Yeah, talking about getting a, a broad-spectrum product on, on your seed, lots of different things that a guy can do. Uh, last question for you, Lee. What about winter survival? And I know you guys sometimes get an open winter, and other years you get lots of snow. Uh, what do you do on a yearly basis to try to hedge your bets there? Uh, treated uh, seed has been the best hedge right there. Uh, years ago, uh, we learned that untreated seed uh, it will cost us money. Uh, we'll have a lot worse winter kill issues. Uh, two years ago, we were almost done planting wheat, and we were about 20 bushels short. And we go, oh, instead of firing up the treater, let's just put in bare seed. Wrong thing to do. <laughs> it was about 50% winter survivability, and the yield was way down compared to where we treated. We should have fired the treater up one more time. Those unintentional check strips <laughs> always seem to, to <laughs> yield some knowledge, if nothing else. Uh, Lee Lubers, thank you so much. Really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, check out Lee and the rest of the crew on the Extreme Ag platform. Thanks, Lee. Hey, anytime. Talking about winter wheat seed treatments on today's program and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, 
your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Let's head to the phone lines right now. We've got Aaron out in Maryland with a, with a question. How you doing, Aaron? Good, how are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. Harvest is getting rolling here. How about for you? There's a few guys going, but I think we'll hold off till we get some lower moisture corn. Sure, sure. What's going on in your soybeans? Well, we've been dry for about a month now. I don't think we even had a measurable rain since about uh, first week of August or so. But we finally caught some. We got about two and a half inches over the past couple of days. I've noticed soybeans are pretty much up and fell over. Not totally, but I can tell they're lodging pretty good. So I was wondering if you think there's a chance of them standing back up or what I could do in the future to maybe prevent that. 
Is it the main stem that's falling over, or is it is it the big wide branches that are just laying down as they're full of leaves, full of pods? It's the whole plant pretty much just laying right over into the next row and then so on. So, Aaron, a lot of times what we would suggest is then doing a little more investigation there to make sure we don't have a bug problem or a disease problem mm-hmm. or compaction or something like that. So as long as we don't, let's just say we don't have that, okay? If you're just asking us general tips to how do we reduce soybean lodging, uh, number one, you can plant just a little bit thinner. Uh, two, and probably more importantly, you need to pick varieties that are shorter and then three you can look at how do we make those varieties a little bit shorter yet so we a lot of times will hit them with things like a group 15 herbicide early post-emerge even even just early planting brand that well early planting yes yep that too uh but i i guess i like group 15s early post even some of the als herbicides early post like pursuit uh, you get cobra right before flowering. I mean, those y- any of those treatments, they will stress the plant a little bit, but the plant will be fine. No worries about that. But a lot of times the plant will be a little bit shorter. Beyond that, we're just going to talk quite often about how do we make the stalk stronger. And usually that comes back to we got as long as we have good drainage, it's typically a a potassium issue. So we're going to look at how much potassium do we have out there? Are we making the stalk as thick as possible? Now, copper and manganese play a little role in that, but potassium is by far and away number one. So most of the time when I see a lodging problem, I'm kind of going back to potassium if it's not like, you know, variety selection. So yeah, if you pick the tallest variety there is, it's going to be tougher. But anyway, those are usually the things that I would say stand out for us. Okay, I, I picked the same variety last year. I had it last year. I didn't have any troubles with it. That's all I was kind of wondering this year. Yeah. Like, I got sandier soil, so my potassium is uh, 106 parts per million. That was in the spring. And then I put crop removal rates on. So, and I was wondering also what maybe I could build that up to without having to worry about it leaching away with our, I mean, we get quite a bit of rain and with lighter soils. I didn't know what I could actually build that up to. How sandy is your ground? What Do you have any idea this, what the cat exchange capacity is? Yeah, that's one there, the seven. Seven. Okay. So, yes, you're going to lose some of your potassium, but I'll put it this way. If I'm starting the year with only 100 parts per million out there, I'm going to be awful nervous. I, I really am. I'm going to push it beyond that. And, then, and, and also, when you say you added crop removal, did you add grain removal or you added grain plus stover removal? Uh, we added 75 pounds. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. So there you go. So basically you started the year with, call it roughly 200 pounds. 100 parts per million is roughly 200 pounds. You added 75. So you have 275 pounds. And I just personally don't think that's probably going to be enough. Now, if your plant was able to extract every last bit of potassium, is it enough? Probably. But it doesn't. The, the The soybean plants have small root systems. They don't grab every bit of available fertility in the ground. So I would be pushing it more. So so here's what I would do if, if I was you. I would run some experiments and I'd try getting my initial K up to a couple hundred parts per million. Just see if you can hold it, see how long you can hold it and go from there. And then I would try some different rates. 
in season, but we always want to be a little on the early side than the late side. We're going to be establishing that stock earlier in the year, obviously, than we are establishing our yield, our pods, the fill, all that kind of thing. But yeah, potassium is unbelievably important in the life of that soybean plant and stock quality and stock strength. That's really the main thing we're after in the beginning. But later on, it will help you tremendously with your fill and making your your soybean seed size a lot bigger as well. So do you think I could almost side dress the soybeans with yes. potash over top? Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep, you certainly could. Now, there are a lot of people that will use liquid in season, but is it possible to do a dry in season? It's possible. It's just that, understand, potash doesn't break down real fast. So, Mm -hmm. honestly, if I'm putting potash out there in the early spring, even if I have lots of rain and even in sand, I'm not expecting 100% of that's going to come available this year. So, I'd probably push it more in the upfront side than I would the in season side. Try that at at least, like I say, run some experiments yourself and you'll see. But I'll bet you that will pay the most if you get a lot more potash out there early. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate it. You bet. Good luck, Aaron. Thank you. Bye. Shifting gears back to winter wheat seed treatments, we're real happy to have Dare McDuffie with us right now with Valent. How you doing, Dare? Uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right, winter wheat seed treatments. Boy, we're back to that time of year again. I can't, I can't hardly believe it. We're already here. I know it's uh, it, it's it's scary how how fast it's coming up, and and I think that this actually is a little bit more of a decision point than a lot of the other seed treatment decisions you're making. And that's just because there's such variation in what people are looking to get out of their winter wheat compared to something like corn or soybeans. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And when you look at the the seed treatment options that are out there now, there are some really nice complete options. And I think the difference between treating and not treating is a huge difference, but there are some subtle differences and and some nice things with some of the products now that we can put on the seed. What are some of the things that you talk to growers about when it comes to picking that right seed treatment? Well, I'm I'm a plant pathologist by training. So, you know, of course I'm going to say disease is, is the most important but even if you're starting with a fungicide only package, you know, you're, you're usually packaging together a, a broad spectrum active, um, a couple of things that might help against pythium. You're going to get your, your better stand establishment. You're going to get your healthy seedlings. But it is so much more important in wheat to get the right fungicides because you're also battling those seed-borne um, pathogens. And those matter a little bit more because those can lead to a rejection of the elevator at the end of the year. So I think there's just the even more importance heaped upon those fungicides. So that to me is absolutely table stakes. Yeah. When you talk about actually killing a disease that's already there on the seed, that, that is a little bit of a different deal. Uh, what ingredients are really necessary to get that done? Do any fungicides work? Or, I mean, do all fungicides work on that or are there just certain ones? You know, you want a really strong um, broad spectrum active uh, within our Intego fungicide uh, cereals. We have uh, metconazole, which is a triazole fungicide, and that'll take care of, you know, the bunts and the smuts. But it, for, for people that are looking to even step it up beyond that, you know, you talked about complete solutions. You can, you can bring in, um, you know, there's a lot of RTU formulations that also include the fungicide and insecticide. But I think that the, the best level of protection is when you start to tailor your treatments to your insect problems as well, which a lot of times might involve adding additional insecticide. 
You know, there are a lot of tough bugs out there right now, and, and for, for growers looking to, to watch their costs really close, does that add a lot of cost to it as you're putting on more insecticide, or is that a relatively inexpensive add-on? You know, th- th- there's ways to do it that can be more budget-friendly. Um, obviously, you know, going by the, the, the Hessian free, um, uh, the Hessian fly free date is, is very good for that specific pest, which is one of the toughest to control. But if you're looking to enhance your aphid control, that doesn't take much more um, insecticide, and that can also stop the, the, the virus that they, um, that they are able to vector. But also, if you're looking to control grasshoppers, you can put a relatively high rate of insecticide on and then just put that along the borders, along areas where you know that they're going to enter, you know, 50, 60 feet. And that's a way to get a real good bang for your buck and uh, take care of those grasshoppers. Yeah, there are a lot of different strategies that growers can do, and uh, you brought up some really good ones there. We've been talking with Dare McDuffie with Valen. Dare, thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.clas.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. 
minimize resistance, and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we've been talking just a little bit about winter wheat seed treatments. If you've got any questions for us, you can certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We'll get back to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute. Before we do, just to kind of wrap things up on the winter wheat seed treatment side, I would really highly encourage you, if you, are, if you have not been using a winter wheat seed treatment, please use some. Do some side-by-sides if you, you would feel more comfortable that way and testing things out yourself on your own farm. That's what we always do. In terms of fungicide, I'd just say please use multiple modes of action. You're much safer that way. you got a better chance not only for control but for overcoming any resistance that you may have out there. Many of these fungicides are very inexpensive now, so you can get a seed treatment package with fungicides for very little money. In terms of insecticide, I'd just say I really, really like the Neonics. They've been around for a long time. Use those. They're great. So that'd be like Gaucho, Poncho, Cruiser. It's that chemical family. And then if you want to try Taraxa, if you're having any wireworm problems, Taraxa will actually kill the wireworms. So we do like that. And that is going to lower your wireworm population moving forward. So I don't care what crop you plant next. You should have fewer wireworms next time. So that's a big advantage. And we talk about this all the time with, I don't care if it's diseases or insects or weeds, if you can keep your populations low, you are way less likely to have this massive outbreak in the future. That massive outbreak can cost you so much money. So that's why we like continued use of fungicides, insecticides, and herbicides. And I'm not saying you have to or anything like that. I'm simply saying we want to keep the populations low, keep the pressure down, and you're likely to get more yield in the future. And then the third category. So we talked fungicides, insecticides. The third category is really naturals. A lot of people say biologicals, but I kind of look at naturals as many different things. It could be amino acids. It could be plant growth regulators. Um, it could be beneficial fungi or bacteria. Lots of different things there. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If you haven't been using any biologicals or naturals, as we would call them, I'd say experiment. And I know we've said that many times about many of these things already today, but I cannot stress this to you enough. The future of crop protection is in biologicals and naturals. Many companies out there are they're spending so many dollars in research and development in this category because they see the writing on the wall. A lot of people, a lot of countries want to ban many pesticides. All right, well, if pesticides go away um, today, oh, we're in trouble. So that's why we got to keep having more research on anything that could possibly benefit our crop that is in that biological or natural space because those things already exist somewhere in nature. We're just simply taking them from where they're at now over into our crops. So that's awesome. And there's much a much, much, much greater chance that those things are going to be around for a really long time. We're not going to have the environmental scrutiny and all that kind of thing. So anyway, on 
our farm, we're using a couple of products. Uh, we like Heat Shield and NutriCycle for winter wheat, um, and there's actually a mix of those, a premix of those now. But we like Beneficial Fungi for for stress. We've been using that Heat Shield product for a while. Uh, NutriCycle we like because it's a lot of different microbes that are helping us. It, we're able to get higher levels of nutrient in the plant when we do tissue analysis. So in other words, there are more nutrients getting in, whether you want to call it nutrient mineralization or whatever. All I know is I'm getting more nutrients in. We also get a little bit quicker emergence. But there are lots of biologicals, lots of naturals out there. Try some different things. In season, we've got more things that, that we experiment with, tank mixes, stuff like that. So I mean, you can continue farming without biologicals and naturals. You absolutely can. But I want to reiterate, I personally believe the future of crop protection is biologicals and naturals. So I think you need to get started using some because that's where this whole thing is headed, I believe, long term. And yeah, I mean, you're not going to probably put on some biological or natural product and go, wow, that gained me 25 bushels of wheat. I, I don't really see that very often. It's possible, but more than anything, what we're talking about is small investments to get good gains. And if I can double my money, triple my money, quadruple my money, that's awesome. But you know what? If I only spent the equivalent of what one bushel of wheat is worth, that means I'm only going to get two to four bushels back. Is that going to show up on your yield monitor? I seriously doubt it. So you have to look closely when you're trying any of these things that only cost a few dollars just to make sure, hey, did this actually pay or did it not? Do some replicated trials, weigh some things out, test it out and see. But I just know, yeah, we've we've tried a bunch of biologicals and naturals that just don't work or maybe even get negative yield result. But there are quite a few more things just about every year. It's more, there's more and more stuff where we go, oh, hey, this actually has some promise, and we kind of like this, and it seems like it's giving us a decent return on investment. So I'm excited about that whole space. All right, let's jump back to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, got a couple of things that came in. This is from Marty down in North Carolina. He said, on a previous show, uh, you were talking to a guest about the price per pound of nutrient to the price per pound of corn soybean ratio yeah we talked about about this just the other day on the show um and i guess and and i got his question and i'm guessing he might have sent it again he said Uh, he he said oh he said i was talking specifically about nitrogen yes and yep and we talked exactly about that question just the other day and with the nitrogen so i'll put it this way yeah we had a guest on who said um well you can start looking at the ratio but let me just put it in very simple terms As the corn price goes up, the fertilizer price usually follows. As the corn price goes down, the fertilizer price usually follows. So I don't think you're going to see this enormous difference in this ratio of corn price to fertilizer price simply because it's been following. And if you don't believe that, look at average prices in the last 10 years and you will see, oh, it does kind of track along. Unfortunately, lately, the corn price has been going down. I'm not very happy about that because we have lots of corn on our farm, but that's the way it is. So am I expecting lower fertilizer prices? You bet I am. Now, the big thing I'm going to tell you is this. If you're going to buy fertilizer this fall and you don't sell any crop ahead, now you're taking your chances because where we're at for a corn price, quite frankly, it could go up or it could go down. And if it goes up a bunch, uh, you go, wow, this is great because I bought fertilizer at a good price, and now my my corn price went way up. 
But if it goes the other direction and you paid maybe too much for your fertilizer because as the corn price goes down, we expect the fertilizer price to go down, well, now you're going to be sad. So usually we'll tell you, hey, you want to buy some fertilizer? I would suggest you hedge yourself a little bit and start selling some grain. All right. Speaking of uh, hedging, Brian, get this question that came in from Eddie. He said, uh, I'm new to farming. This is my second year. I'm, I'm just farming a couple hundred acres or so. I sold new crop futures this year before planting, and I'm glad I did because yeah. prices have continued to go down. They have. You, as well as many others, mentioned selling new crop now while purchasing for next year, which I agree is a good idea. Without grain bins, though, what happens if I can't get planted? Is there any workaround, or am I just taking one big risk? <laughs> Uh, yep. I don't know how you overcome that if you can't get planted. So now let's think about this just a second. If it's a very isolated area, then yeah, I mean, you could be in trouble, but let's say it's a great big area that doesn't get planted. What most likely is going to happen to the crop price? Crop price is probably going to go up. So you're probably going to be okay. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I'll take that back. You'd actually be, if you'd already pre-sold and you have to deliver the grain, now you got to go buy it at a high price. So yeah, I get it. Um, it's, it's not a real great situation and not a situation that I would like to be in. So I'll just tell you on our farm, we don't plan ahead. I mean, we do plan ahead, but we don't typically go buying fertilizer or applying fertilizer into low grounds where we think, oh, there's a chance we might not plant here. What we do plan on every year is on the high grounds, on the tiled land, all that kind of stuff. And we go, all right, we know we're getting this in. And even if we plant it late, we're still going to get a decent crop. But yep, there's always risk in everything you do. And so we're just going to advise you, talk to your local advisors. Try to make the best decision. Spread your risk. Be careful because you don't want to get yourself in a bind. Thanks for the question, Eddie. We'll be right back with more of your questions after this. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall. The tractor that is the one for all. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. 
And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. That's exactly what Ken did. He sent us an email from up in Ontario, Canada. He said, guys, you were talking recently about post-emerge residual soybean herbicides. And I looked into the products that you mentioned here. Uh, not all are labeled for post-emerge use That's here typical. like they are in the U.S. Yep. Uh, so, for example, Zidua, Dual, Frontier Max, et cetera, not labeled for post-use. Uh, dual here is sold as Dual 2 Magnum, and that has binoxicore in the formulation. Is yes. this different than the U.S.? Can you talk no. about that a little bit? Yeah, it's the same thing as in the United States. That Okay, l- let's step way back. If you go to the original Dual, that was Dual 8E. That did not have a safener in there. So when they came with dual magnum, that's the more concentrated version where they basically took out some of the isomers that weren't as active on weeds. They made it a little more concentrated in effect so you could use a little bit less. That's the magnum version, the dual two magnum version. Or if I go back to old dual two before they ever had the magnums, in both cases they added a safener. Now, Syngenta over the years, and if I go way back to the companies before them, so there are all these mergers and everything else, they developed a lot of different safeners and even sold them, in some cases, to other companies. But this Binoxicore is a pretty good safener. Nevertheless, um, there's always a chance that any herbicide can negatively impact any crop. But where this really comes into play, that binoxicore, is when you use the dual before planting or right after planting. Because what we're worried about is a lot of dual or any herbicide going into the plant when it's very, very small. It can't metabolize it well. It can't handle it very well. And so it needs a little bit of help. That's why they add that safener to it. And yeah, if if 
I, I'm not familiar with the with any different formulation for Canada, but if you're telling me up there they have binoxicor in it, I would say that's the same thing that we're dealing with here in the United States. It's a pretty good safener. You don't need it post-emerge, and you don't need it for soybeans. So that's the reason why a lot of people say, okay, well, I'm going to go a little cheaper then on the soybean end of things, or when I go post-emerging corn, I'm going to use the unsafe and dual. Unsafe and dual, because right away you might go, oh, boy, it doesn't have a safener. I'm worried. No, that's just the same dual, basically, that we had years and years ago. There's nothing wrong with it. We used to use it even pre-emerge years ago, and I never found any problems with that. But nevertheless, um, there is the dual without the safener and the dual with the safener. Feel comfortable using dual without the safener in soybeans or post-emerging corn, if it's labeled. Thanks for the question. Get this from Michael over in central Minnesota. He said, we're approaching that time where seed corn decisions are going to be made for our farm, and I've always felt like smart stacks hybrids were slower to mature. Now I'm starting to wonder if the other hybrids are just quicker to die. This year I had more corn rootworm pressure than I've ever seen, and it may be the time I finally kick above-ground BT protection off my farm. So if I switch to a smart stacks or smart stacks Pro uh, platform for my farm. I would also like to set up insecticide just to make sure I knock these bugs out. Would you recommend going in furrow or using something like the Thrive 3D system you guys talk about from time to time? I like the in furrow idea because I can mix other things with it, possibly put some fertilizer out there too. What about with the Thrive system? Uh, what do you think about that? Which would be a better option for me? Okay, so first of all, when we start talking about insecticides, yes, there are many different options in terms of how you apply them. So Darren mentioned Infuro or the Thrive, and I'll explain those in just a second. But there's also T-band or band. Okay, so here here they all are. If you're going Infuro, I think it's fairly clear we're going to have that down near the seed and in many cases on the seed. So it will then be covered up with dirt by your closing wheels. All right, so that's a placement. Think about where the insecticide is. It's right around that seed, okay? Where do the main roots of the corn plant come out? They actually come out above the seed. So the nodal root system, that all five rings of nodal roots come out above the seed. So in other words, if we've got insecticide down at the seed, we're... I mean, we're doing okay for protecting the nodal roots, but we're certainly not protecting the tops of the nodal roots super well. So a lot of people go, okay, well, I'm just going to ban my fertilizer then, or my insecticide then, and I'll put it on the soil surface. All right, you can do that. But now if you have something like a wireworm that's going to attack the seed, that's not protected, and you're going to need to get some rain to get the insecticide down into the ground, even to hit the tops of the nodal roots. So then a lot of people go, all right, well, I want both. So that's where a T-band comes in, where you're going to have some that's that's banded, a little bit will be on the soil surface, and then you're going to have some that's down at the seed. So you can do any of those three things, it's fine. Personally, I like band or T-band if I'm worried about cutworms because they're usually near the soil surface. I, I prefer in furrow if we're looking at how do I have the best control of wireworms. In terms of rootworm control, I haven't seen a lot of difference. I still will probably prefer the T-band though. Okay, 
Then, this Thrive 3D system. FMC came out with this a few years ago, and you can use this either for Zyway fungicide, or you could use it for Capture LFR. But not a premix. I wish they would come I with know. a premix of both. That I would be I've fantastic. Said that, I've said that to them many times, because I want to use both. We do use both on our farm, so then I have to make the choice. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to put my Capture and Furrow. I'm going to use the Zyway in this 3D system. What the 3D does, it the Thrive 3D, it turns your liquid into a foam. So think about hand soap. You get, if you remember old liquid hand soap, you go, boy, it's, I don't get the best coverage over my hands. And it's also hard to get off my hands. And then once they came with those foaming soaps, I go, oh, wow, this is great. Because I want you to think about this. They can now get by using less soap. But for anybody who uses the foaming hand soap, you feel like you got a tremendous amount because it covered your hands so much better. In effect, they're just introducing oxygen into that and they get they they're able to provide much much better coverage so that's what we're doing with the thrive 3d so then you have gotten coverage throughout that seed furrow much better we really prefer the thrive 3d system to any other delivery mechanism for insecticide or fungicide that would be the direction that i would go now i want to come back to something darren said before with the smart stacks corn and all that. When we first started doing a much better job on fertility on our farm, we started cutting our seed maturity just a little bit because what we found is we were getting premature death all the time. So there are basically two ways that your corn plant is going to finish. One, it's going to finish based on heat. So in other words, normal maturity. It's going to reach black layer and then it's done. Okay. The other way is if something kills it. So that could be a bug, a disease, uh, I mean, many different things. But I know this. If something is improperly fed, it's not going to be able to tolerate anything as well. Drought, disease, a bug, you name it. So it's the same kind of thing with the smart stacks. All right, if you use smart stacks, what's that telling you? You've, you're, you've got above ground pest controlled, you've got below ground pests like uh, rootworms controlled, or at least hopefully controlled. Well, now you don't have something killing off the plant earlier. So that's the reason why many people felt, uh oh, um, all of a sudden it's taking my plant longer to mature. It's not the, the variety, it's not the genetics. It's just, yeah, nothing killed it off early. So if that's happening to you, yeah, you may, may need to shorten your choice. Instead of 105-day, you're now at 103-day or 102-day. I don't know. Well, um, a, good, a good thing to do, too, is just spread your maturity risk out on your farm. As you you're always making those seed to. corn decisions, plant multiple hybrids, plant different maturities, plant some different populations. Vary that population as you go through these fields, too, and, and then see what works so you can learn going forward. I, I just recently did a meeting, and I asked farmers, how many of you are varying your population across your farm? I didn't have hardly any hands go up, Brian. I was like, whoa, there's really? a lot of guys planting the same population. Oof. Yeah, I, w- uh, I would not do we've that. We've got free tools now that you can use to vary your population out in fields. That's well, I don't know, I don't know if it'd be so free, well. but I mean, it does come standard on a lot of planters now. So you absolutely could, and in our opinion, should be using those types of tools. Vary the population with corn, vary it with soybeans, vary it with wheat. It's going to help you. Well, thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that. And as harvest approaches, as some of these decisions approach, you can always reach out to us, our email address, radio at agphd.com. 
Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.